because we all use something to make ourselves feel superior. It's just human nature. We either use our race, our culture, our gender, our social status, our financial status, our education, our vaccination status, our political beliefs to make ourselves feel better to others. But remember this, any, any expression of superiority violates the truth of the gospel of Jesus, that we are all one in Christ. Jesus abolished all inequalities and all cultural, racial, economic, and gender barriers. Welcome to Together for Salem. My name is Monica. I'm your host for this weekend's episode. We're so glad you decided to tune in in whatever way, podcast, YouTube, the website, Facebook. Thank you so much for checking this content out. Uh, we're starting our final part three uh, message from the series, When the Soul Felt Its Worth. Thank you so much if you've been watching all of these. That's awesome. They're also online if you've missed one, uh, but we're covering uh, the best Christmas song ever, Oh Holy Night, uh, and we're talking about why that song, A, is the best, and two, uh, how it can help us remember the true meaning of Christmas and what our lives are really worth. So thank you so much for checking this out. I'm gonna come back on the other side here in a minute and give you a couple other announcements, but before that, I'm gonna pass it off to my friend John and I'll see you on the other side. You know who I don't like? Them. They're the worst. They think wrong. They vote wrong. They parent their kids wrong. They use their money wrong. And they have the wrong views on vaccination, on the death penalty, on abortion, on race issues. They're just wrong. You can't stand them. You're the same, right? Well, and of course they think that I'm wrong too, right? And they think that I'm the worst. Too, but <laughs> obviously they're wrong, right? That's why we don't associate with with those types. We don't listen to that side's news, and we don't we don't follow those types of, of voices in social media. And that's why you might have or have thought about maybe moving schools or, or cities or states. See, we we say we're tired of others causing division, but we continue to divide ourselves from others. And a little side note before we really get going here is I'm talking about division and the animosity that comes from division. I'm not necessarily talking about when there's a healthy separation, when, it, when it's healthy to change or move or to, to have boundaries with certain relationships and certain institutions. See, there are times when it's, when it's good and healthy for people to go separate ways. What I'm talking about is the problem when that becomes division, when people are divisive. See, in this type of division that I'm talking about, that we're really seeing all around us, it's nothing new. We've always seen, as humans, we've always seen the advantage of, of being united to the people in our tribe or the people on our side or, or the people that are like us, right? We, we protect and defend us against them. That's human nature. It's, it's as old as humanity. In fact, we even see it in the animal world, there's been studies of different troops of chimpanzees fighting each other for territory, for, for food, like actually attacking each other and ambushing each other. 
See, basically, division is the natural state of humanity. But there's something about Christmas that makes us remember that this isn't how it's supposed to be. There's something about Christmas that promises something better because Christmas shows the true worth of every person. See, it's, it's a truth in, in the song, Oh Holy Night, that we've been talking about in this series. The truth that is made spectacularly clear in the third verse of Oh Holy Night, where it says, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. And this verse, right here, this third verse of this, this Christmas carol, is the reason you, in the English-speaking world in, in the United States, know this song. Because this was originally a French song. But in 1855, an American minister-turned-music critic by the name of John Sullivan Dwight, who was a passionate abolitionist, discovered this song and translated it into English, and it quickly became a popular Christmas song in the northern states. And so were these writers, these abolitionist writers, they were they just playing on some sentimentality of the time? Like, why do these words hit so hard and so clear? The chain shall he break for the slave is our brother? Because they're true. See, there's a reason O Holy Night is so ins was so inspiring to the Christian abolitionists of the 1800s and why it still gives hope today. Because Jesus came to save and unite all of humanity. And so we see this truth in Paul's letter to the church, the group of Jesus followers in Galatia. And a little bit of background on this ancient letter that Paul wrote. See, Jesus, when, when he was on earth, said, people will, talking to his disciples, he said, people will know you are my disciples by your love for each other. But as soon as Jesus left and the church kind of got started, they're kind of the old natural divisions of humanity started again. There was the, the rich over the poor, men over women, and, and in a religion with, with Jewish roots, it became Jews over the non-Jewish Gentiles. See, in the church, the early church, the Gentiles were starting to be demoted to second-class status because they weren't the God's Jewish chosen children. And so in this mix comes the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Jesus' followers in the Roman province of Galatia. And he, in it, he lays out one of the most amazing distinctions, uh, most amazing claims, most amazing promises of Christianity. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. See, true unity begins when we individually allow Jesus to change us from the inside out. So what Paul is saying is when, when we trust Jesus for our standing with God, for, for the forgiveness of our sins that we looked at in the last episode, we become something new. You become a, a new creation. It's like a metamorphosis, right? A, a crawling caterpillar and, and a butterfly flying through the air couldn't look and act more different, right? And so when, when you trust Jesus, when you become a Jesus follower, you take off the old person and put on the new that is being made to look like Jesus more and more. It's, it's actually a, a new type of human, according to the biblical writers. And it doesn't change 
our, our culture, our ancestry, or our, even our finances, really, it changes who we are defined as, that we now identify as a child of God. That is our new identity with all the privileges, all the status, all the abilities that comes with it, and on equal level with all his other children. And Paul goes on with a new relationship with God comes a completely new way of relating to each other. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you see how huge that is? Maybe, maybe we don't because in our culture, we're so used to the idea of, of equality. But for the first century mind, the natural order was that the husband and the father was the ruler of his family, of his wife, maybe wives, of his children and his slaves. And wealthier men were above and, and ruled over poorer men. And people didn't try to get along with other races and, and cultures and, and countries. No, they conquered them. And the Jews, for the Jews, they didn't associate with non-Jews because they were God's chosen people. They can't even like walk through the door of a Gentile house. And this was all over the ancient world. Aristotle actually taught that, that Greeks and therefore Romans in the Roman mind were better suited to rule over the barbarians, anybody who wasn't Greek or Roman. And the barbarians were better suited to be slaves just on who they were as their race. In fact, there are recorded Jewish prayers, a regular prayer at the time that, that said, God, thank you for not, this is what the Jewish men would pray, God, thank you for not making me a Gentile and for not making me a woman and for not making me a slave. And the interesting thing is, we actually see similar prayers in Socrates and Plato. And here's something that, that Aristotle wrote. And, and these philosophers were huge in, in creating the culture of the Roman world. He wrote this, Of household management, we have seen that there are three parts. One is of the ruler of a master over slaves, which has been discussed already. Another of a father, and the third of a husband. A husband and father, we saw, rules over wife and children, both free, but the rule differs. The rule over his children being a royal over his wife, a constitutional rule. Now check this out. For although there may be exceptions to the order of nature, the male is by nature fitter for command than the female, just as the elder and full grown is superior to the younger and more immature. That was part of their, what they were taught as kids, that, that the, the Greek and the Roman and the, and the man were above everything else, and everyone else was either a child or a woman, and they're basically the same level in their mind. In fact, even in the ruins of Pompeii, we see the remains in, in one storage room, the remains of two sets of people. On one side of the room are rich people. We can tell because of the jewelry they have and, and, and the clothes they were wearing. And on the other side, there's poor people. They actually separated themselves in, with their impending death. Not even death could unite them. The cultural division was so strong in this culture. All of life revolved around these divisions. And the goal was to know your place and to act your part in order to protect your people. Everyone accepted this natural division and this desire to elevate and protect us against them. But then comes God in a body, born on a holy night, who chose to live, die, and rise again so that every human 
can have an eternal relationship, can have an eternal life with our Heavenly Father, proving that every person has infinite worth to an infinite and personal God. See, by dying for and giving life to everyone equally, Jesus abolished all inequalities and all cultural, racial, economic, and gender barriers. In Jesus, the slave really and truly is our brother in every sense of the word. And for the first Jesus followers, when they got this truth, when they really understood it and lived it out, it wasn't just some, some good idea. It wasn't some hopeful ideal that, that never you could really never fully attain. It was a reality they lived. In fact, this passage that we read in Galatians was very likely part of the baptismal liturgy of the early church. Meaning this is what they would read and this is what they would say when somebody was being baptized into the Jesus following community. They would be reminded as they were entering this new community that you are all, every one of you, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done, what you haven't done, you are all one in Christ. Meaning that breaking down these barriers was a central belief, the central goal, a central tenet of the earliest Jesus followers. In fact, this wasn't an optional part of Jesus's message. In fact, it was, it was a core ingredient of Jesus' teachings and the life of the first Jesus followers. Jesus said, love your enemies. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans, meaning the rest of humanity, does that or do that. And this, this idea of breaking down these barriers is one of the reasons Christians were distrusted in the Roman society. Jesus followers were breaking down all the social norms that the culture had built itself upon of, of, of might and wealth and gender divisions. But when the Jesus followers got this right, they had all races, all social classes, all genders interacting equally with each other, serving each other, loving each other, praying for each other, forgiving each other, supporting each other. They understood something that really we've forgotten, that a Jesus follower has more in common with another Jesus follower than with someone of the same race, of the same culture, of the same political party, even the same vaccine status, or whatever it is. Jesus followers have more in common with each other than they do with anyone else. I'm telling you, if you care anything about equality in our society, Jesus is your answer. See, not only did this idea start with him, but it is only through him that we see a true reason to pursue unity at all. In Jesus, we are all equally made one. So if you really want to follow Jesus, if you really want to be part of bringing peace on earth, if you really want to experience a new and glorious morn, then we need to pursue the unity that can only be found in Jesus. So are you, are you ready to get started? If you are, I've got a few ideas for you. First, read this passage this week. Maybe every day this week or three times. I don't care. Read this passage, Galatians 3, 26 through 28. Read it and read it a few times. Let it kind of marinate in your mind. And then, if you're willing, pray this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Change my heart. Show me the worth of others and how to love them as you do. See, true unity isn't just about 
you know, changing how we vote or whatever that is. True unity begins when we individually allow Jesus to change us from the inside out. And so first, we have to get rid of the hate and the division in our own hearts. And so accepting Jesus as, as king of our lives, as king of our hearts, allows our hearts to change. He begins the process, and he actually makes it possible for our hearts to change. And so what we are seeing right now in our culture, in our, in our country, in our world, is people wanting unity, people trying to be united, but really unable to change anything. Why? Because they're more loyal to their side. They're more loyal to their people than to Jesus and his ability to transform our hearts and to create a true family based on him. See, unless we rely on Jesus to change us, nothing truly changes. Jesus really is the answer to the anger, to, to the division we see all around us. So if you call yourself a Jesus follower, rely on him. Fix your loyalty, not to a political party, not to a stance, not to anything other than him. And ask him to keep transforming you and transforming how you see others. And if you're still contemplating Jesus, still trying to figure all this out, awesome. Ask him to show you your worth to him. And then the worth of others around you. And once you do that, when you're ready, allow the process to begin. Ask this, what do I use to make myself feel superior to others? Because we all use something to make ourselves feel superior. It's just human nature. We either use our race, our culture, our gender, our social status, our financial status, our education, our vaccination status, our political beliefs to make ourselves feel better to others. But remember this, any any expression of superiority violates the truth of the gospel of Jesus, that we are all one in Christ. Jesus abolished all inequalities and all cultural, racial, economic, and gender barriers. And then, once you've kind of soul-searched, change your actions. Choose unity. It's not some magic change overnight. It's a continuous choice to focus on unity and it's a cycle see Jesus changes us from the inside and then we choose to express it on the outside which then allows more change on the inside and what that might need for you is it might need you to to mute or unfollow the voices that keep trying to push our divisions I know I had to a few years ago because that that feeling of us versus them is so addicting and we, we want to win and our side is better and, and what do they even think I can't even understand how anybody would even think that way if you can't understand how anybody would think that way, that means you're not trying to listen, does it? It might mean you need to repair a relationship you've severed because of preferences or, or differences that you've perceived. It might mean you need to simply choose forgiveness because they might not be willing to seek unity yet. Unity means making concessions and, and even compromises for each other. It means being willing to look at other sides. Admit that we might be wrong and that somebody's different idea might actually be better. See, Jesus makes us one family and it's okay to disagree. In fact, it's the, it's the unity of the family that is, is the important part. We See, we can disagree and still be in the same 
family. We can disagree and still be unified with each other because of who we are in Jesus. And so as Paul said, take off those old ratty clothes. They never looked good on you anyway. And put on Jesus. Honestly, imagine a world where Jesus followers were focused more on the worth of every individual instead of the worthiness of their political or social cause. Where we focused on our common savior instead of what commonly divides us. Where the world noticed and recognized and appreciated our unity and wanted it too. Like, aren't you tired of the division? Of the, the soul-sucking, boring, back and forth of trying to outdo each other. When we see ourselves as one in Jesus, we see the worth of each one of us. And it can actually happen. We actually had a glimpse of it in 1914. It's, it's the true story of the Christmas truce. See, five months after the beginning of World War I, there was an unofficial ceasefire that, that began in certain parts of the front lines of, of the war. When German and British soldiers sang Christmas carols to each other back and forth across no man's land. On Christmas Day, German soldiers actually emerged from their trenches and began walking toward their enemy's trench saying, Merry Christmas in their enemy's language of English. And the Brit when the British saw that the Germans were unarmed, they came out of their trenches and they started shaking hands with their enemies. They actually exchanged presents. They took pictures with each other. They sang songs with each other and they even played a few games of soccer with each other. In fact, the commanders on both sides of, of this war were afraid that the men would lose the will to fight and so they forbade any fraternizing for the rest of the war. But for that brief time, we saw what Christmas was truly meant to bring. Unity. The world saw the true power and the truth of Christmas. Christmas shows us the worth of every person, every day. I don't know that I'll ever listen to that song the same way again. Thank you, John, for that message. Thank you for the challenge at the end. I think we all have something we can work on in the next couple weeks with reading that passage and praying and um, asking ourselves uh, some hard questions and doing some soul searching and then practicing because we're going to be all sitting around uh, dinner tables with maybe people who think differently than us and what a chance, uh, what an opportunity to be unified. Uh, so thank you. This was very timely and good um, for me personally and I'm sure for you as well. If you're watching this and you're new here, um, I just want to say again, thank you for checking us out. There is a welcome form online. Let us know you're watching. Say hello. It's a great way to connect with us. Uh, we don't meet in person again until January. We'll have a December 19th gathering, but I'm guessing you're watching this after that gathering. If you aren't, there's information on the screen, uh, but we will have in-person gatherings uh, in January, kicking back up after we take this little break here. So also in January, so what about series? Uh, we're welcoming your questions. Cross Creek, we've designed this church to be a church for people who maybe have questions about the faith, um, want a safe place to maybe re-enter the Christian faith or, or check it out again. Um, this is a place for you. So we welcome your questions. We're going to start a series in January where we tackle some of the questions that um, are common to us people. 
Uh, we won't pretend to have the answers, but we will start a conversation and I'm sure um, it will be um, engaging and challenging and even more so when you submit your questions because maybe there's something you've been wondering and this is a good opportunity for you to send it in and it's safe. So there's an email address that you can send it to info at yourcrosscreek.com or you can go on the website yourcrosscreek.com slash ask and ask the question. So um, we're wrapping up for the year. We will not provide any new content until January. Um, we're taking a break as a staff. Um, there will be um, maybe one more little snippet for you in a week or so. So check that out on YouTube. But we want to thank you for watching. Thank you for giving. Thank you for supporting Cross Creek. Thank you for all that you do. And I personally just want to thank my friend John, my pastor, uh, for all the work that you put in uh, week in, week out, crafting these messages and these series. And you would say it takes a team. And I know you're thinking that right now, John, and you're right, it does take a team, but it takes a good leader. So thank you so much for your leadership. Thank you for being willing to uh, look at things from different angles and ask hard questions and have tough conversations. Um, you've helped me through some really low points in the last couple years, just in the way you live your life out and follow after Jesus. So I thank you for your friendship and I thank you for your leadership. And um, thank you, Liz, too. Um, you guys are a gift to me and my family. So thank you for watching. This is Together for Salem. There will be more content coming to you uh, soon. Enjoy your break. Enjoy your families. And these questions are here for you. If you want to talk about them with a partner or a friend, um, or just think about and journal about them on your own. But here come some questions, and I'll see you in 2022. You have the fire, you're not cold. No, I'm not. <laughs> Toasty, I'm gonna need some lotion afterwards. <laughs> Aloe vera. Okay. For you all, nope, that's not even how it goes. For for you are all. Y'all. For y'all. That would be a lot easier. <laughs> Ready for your earth to be shattered? Sorry, am I keeping you up? <laughs> yeah. Am I, boring you? Nap. am I boring you with my Bible stories? <laughs> Get ready for the history, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs>